So as you've probably noticed, we're doing things a little bit different on the podcast these days. We're doing audio versions and video versions. So if you haven't checked out the video versions of these episodes, make sure you do. You can check that out at at Lucas Rubik's on YouTube. So whether you're listening or watching, today's episode is a lot of fun. And it's with someone that I highly respect as a marketer, but more so as a thinker. I love watching people's brains work. And I consider our guest today, Ed Ray, as highly intelligent, really thinks things through. And I think today's episode, we talk a lot about a lot of things, uh, business, sales, marketing, world events, things going on in the world that could be impacting your business and really just taking a holistic look of things. But beyond all that, I just, I just really respect Ed's way of mixing humor and having fun while still talking about really serious topics. I actually met Ed at a mastermind and then later on he's a local Vancouverite as well. So I think we went for like a bike ride the first and I was like, this guy is really, really smart. So if you'd like to put your thinking cap on, if you'd like to start looking at things from multiple angles, if you'd like to start talking about sales and marketing, but not just from that 2D way that the internet and other people on the internet just seem to talk about, but we want to step back, take a holistic approach to building this online business thing, to actually getting clients, to creating a message that truly speaks to your audience, to start understanding direct response marketing, and just all things copy, then this episode will definitely be for you. Again, if you're listening, super awesome, but if you'd like to watch the episode at Lucas Rubik's on YouTube, and you'll find Ed Ray's podcast episode there. Enjoy. Preparing for this, I was half afraid and excited of where this could go because I was I was reading kind of the bio or kind of um, some points that we can talk about. I had everything from marketing, copy, to conspiracy theories, and you don't want to get me started on that because I'll go for three hours on that. Psychedelics, I'm like half nervous and excited about where today's chat can go yeah because psychedelics and marketing i don't know if they there's got to be some connection because i'm willing to go to all those places there is there is i was like we should actually do this episode we should have just done this episode on mushrooms the thing is i'm like i have experience with it but i'm not like the mushroom guy you know like i'm not like you're not the shroom guy no like i'm not like you know doing it every day (laughs) But I do have some theories around spiritual laws of success and how they do apply to marketing. 100%. We kind of talked about it just briefly. We were having lunch at um, that little pub around the corner in Cole Harbor. Yeah, yeah. And we briefly touched on it. And I, I, I mean, I'm obviously interested in microdosing. It's just become a thing now. Like people used to not talk about it um, as a portal, as just a bit of a, a speeder upper to accessing the spiritual realm. Totally. And creativity and all that fun stuff. Um, dude, I, so I, I got, I wanted to start off with one thing here is how does a 14 or 15 year old, correct me if I'm wrong on that, a 14 or 15 year old, like get into copywriting and marketing? Because when I was 14, 15, I was probably still playing with like little toy dirt bikes and like jumping little mountains and not thinking about copywriting, marketing or business. That I'm really interested in asking you that because that's pretty young to get into it there had to be some series of events that led you into it yeah by the way were you, were you playing with those like those like tech decks Is that what yeah it's i had i had tech decks i had different yeah, colored yeah. wheels I, I was a tech deck king though <sighs> i was pretty good 
<laughs> that's awesome bro um so it started off when i was um 11 years old and i wanted this girl sorry vancouver that's all right yeah i vancouver. wanted this girl uh megan to fall in love with me uh, i was so obsessed with her and so i looked at this one word on google this one sentence on google that changed my life which was how to get girls to like me so that threw me headfirst into like direct response marketing as from a consumer standpoint i would watch all the video sales letters all the advertisements i would sign up for all the newsletters read all the lead magnets um and just literally consume everything every single day i would sit and watch vsls for like hours on end so um, you're were you in like the the the, the game the dating stuff marketing yeah. so you were consuming that stuff yeah, 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 I was consuming it. Yeah, I had no idea that, I, that that's even what that was. I just knew, oh, this is going to help me get girls. Okay, let's watch it. Let's consume it. Who was big um, at that point? It was like that RDS guys and stuff like that. They were yeah, kind of owning yeah. that space, wasn't it? So um, I don't remember who I got started. Oh, you know what? Um, for the people who are like more versed in the direct, in the direct response space, uh, there was this one really famous video sales letter. Like I was like, hi, my name is Josh and this is a fish. And it's like, like a photo of like a, like a fish and it's like basically and this fish is going to show you how to get all the girls you could ever want because of the three second fish trick or whatever it is right right and then that that one's super viral um but that was kind of the start yeah um, cool okay that makes sense that starts making sense you're 11 getting into that stuff haven't made the connection yet that you're being marketed to but basically you're learning how to market with direct response to get the attention yeah. and court and all that fun stuff yeah so all I mean, from what I've heard, a lot of the world's best copywriters at that point in time, like 2010, 2011, 2012, a lot of them were doing dating stuff. Like they were doing dating product marketing. Yeah. Uh, so I basically got the world's best marketing in my brain, uh, like reverse osmosis right. since I was really young. Um, and I started to learn more about it. And uh, actually I bought some programs. I went to the local gas station and I, I bought, you know, I took out some cash and I, or my debit card and I, I got some prepaid credit cards from the gas station to pay for some of these dating programs. Like yep. typical, <laughs> typical. I love that. I right? love that. I think the question that's still on my mind is uh, it was Megan. You said, yeah, did, did, did it work? And did you get Megan? Cause I think that's the I, more important. <laughs> I think, I think we dated for like five days. Like I may have gotten a kiss, oh, which was like, didn't work out too good, but okay. All right. Hey bro. Five, I mean, better hey, than than five. I guess at 11, that's pretty good. Five days, bro. That's, that's, that's a big deal. I guess at 11. Pretty yeah. good. Um, and so from there, um, I, I learned about, uh, marketing and internet marketing, uh, from this guy named JC capital. So I, I learned all about, uh, you know, online businesses and success. Cause he was at first a dating coach, but then he moved right. into more of the like success entrepreneurship. He started in, uh, basketball under a different yeah. name there. I know he was on the show and I've been to a mastermind or an event there. Um, copywriting when he was doing that email copywriting stuff, not sure if he still yeah, does, yeah. but a pretty dynamic character, good at what he does. Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. that, that's for sure. Uh, so I learned that from him and then I was like, Hey, you know, I'm learning all this dating stuff. Why not get paid for it? Right. Uh, cause I, I think I could do this. Right. So I wanted to take those marketing skills and at the age of 14, 15, start my own dating YouTube channel. 
teaching guys how to get girls' numbers and stuff. We gotta find cool. that. We gotta post a dude, link for that. Dude, no, I deleted all of them because I wanted to get I wanted to get a job, so I deleted all of it. So there's yeah. zero evidence. But I was the talk of my high school. Nice. Uh, and then I joined a pyramid scheme or MLM network marketing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for eight months, I lost five grand uh, trying to figure it out, run paid ads. But that's how I actually learned about copywriting. Yeah. And I yeah. got some solid practice, learned how to write and run my own Facebook ads. Uh, and then there was a local event in Vancouver, uh, like an internet marketing one. And they were like, hey, like you're trying this stuff on your own why don't you offer it as a service for other companies? And I was like, wow, like that's, that's such a great idea. And that's kind of how I got my start at like age 15, 16. Yeah. And then there was a few, a, a few year time span, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was like uh, helping, I'm sure many companies and businesses, 12, 15, 18, $21 million in sales, which is a huge deal at, you know, at, at whatever age that may have been, doesn't matter what even age, but you helped a lot of companies do a lot of great marketing and make a lot of money. Yeah. I think, um, in the last, honestly, like the last, okay, let's say last three years, it's been about $12.3 million. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that. That's cool. That's, 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 Appreciate that. that's, um, but, but I think what, what's more fascinating about that is we look at people and I'm, I really like doing this is we look at people who are really good at something. And when you trace back the events and the series of events that happened, um, it's fascinating to me because I'm like, what would have happened if Megan didn't catch your eye? Yeah. Who knows what you'd be doing? Maybe you'd be selling mushrooms or doing something. <laughs> Honestly, if, if I wasn't, I think if I didn't get in that realm, because like, you know, getting in that space of the dating stuff like that really changed my mindset and got me to where I am. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot of really bad habits. My social skills were absolutely shot sure. for so many years. I, had, I learned a lot of stuff. But sure. uh, business-wise, I was a shark. Yeah, yeah. Always been. So, so and, and I think you're the perfect guy to ask for this. And this is a um, very open-ended question. But for someone listening who has an opportunity to ask a guy like you, who is a brilliant marketer, what makes good marketing? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go great. Just what makes good marketing? What makes marketing actually work? And if someone has some marketing that they feel isn't working, I know you've got some authentic voice, you've got some, some, some elements to, to good marketing, but in, in your opinion, from what you see, and you probably see a lot of bad marketing. A little bit. What makes for good? I'm not talking great, excellent, top tier, but good marketing, marketing that works. Okay. That's actually a great question. Um, and something I've really been thinking about lately, because like I do have clients coming to me like saying, hey, this shit doesn't sell. And here's what I realized all of them had in common. Uh, two things. One is they would sell. Uh, so, so they would create a product or an offer, um, whether you're selling on candlesticks or a digital course or program or, uh, I don't know, wallets, whatever, whatever it is that you're selling or even like even services, right? Uh, the thing is, all the ones who have bad marketing to get them to good marketing, what they're missing is the fact that they started off trying, they created the product first, and now they're trying to sell the product. So they created the product and they're trying to find a market to fit the product. 
when instead they need to first start with the market and then create a product that solves a problem uh, mm-hmm. or solves a desire. So for example, uh, if, I don't know, I, I have some candles in front of me, so candlesticks, right? It's like, oh, I wanna sell candlesticks. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, what kind of person has to buy a candle, you know, wants to buy a candle? Like what problem does that solve? You know, are we, are we talking like going from a spiritual perspective of like, oh, it's like, you know, the cinnamon candles, the, like, you know, like the, yeah. uh, to attract good luck, or is it like, uh, you know, just romantic, a decoration, romantic, sexy exactly, time. right? Yeah. So, so here's the thing, <laughs> sexy time. So, and this usually stems from a, actually, no, I'll explain the symptom. The symptom of, so the issue that comes from this is you end up looking for all the things that your product can do instead of looking for what people actually want to have solved. So you're completely like, you're just subtly missing the mark, but it's a huge problem. So um, can do versus, um, versus, versus Philly, the actual need or the want. Yeah, exactly. The want. Yeah. You're, you're trying, you're trying to create the desire versus yeah. tapping into the existing desire that they already have. Like, like, Love it. for example, you, like you wear baseball caps a lot. I know this, right? So like, I would think about, okay, let's say, are you, are you really into hockey? Uh, Canadians will hate me, but the answer is no. Like, no me, I don't even know what a hockey that. stick is. Fuck hockey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, but okay. So backward base, like baseball caps, right? Yeah. So instead of being in the market to sell baseball caps, you're in the market to help athletic men, you know, um, get the right apparel that at a, at a good price that makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah. Um, and then selling hats becomes one of those things. So there's a difference between getting obsessed with your product and getting obsessed with your market. Yeah. So here's the thing. Love These that. guys get obsessed with their product and then they try and find a market to fit it into, which just doesn't work, even though it's Love like it. so subtle how, differences. So hold how on, would you answer? Yeah, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, there's, there's a second part. There's a second part. And so the reason for that usually because they don't know who they want to help and why they want to help them. Uh, and one thing I told uh, one woman who I was uh, coaching is, so, so she wants to sell um, self-love and yoga, like, you know, and it's like, Hey, like, you know, I'll show you how to connect with the younger version of you, like, you know, the more energetic, joyful, playful, fun version of you. Right. And then I talked to her about the idea of selling at a weight loss angle, right? Because she made the offer first and now she's trying to find a market to fit it. And so she's looking at all the things that yoga can do or self-love can do instead of looking at what her audience actually needs and then creating that, the offer around that. So we, we kept bouncing back and forth between a bunch of different things because she kept going back and forth on all the different things that yoga can solve versus, hey, actually, let me look at my story. What did I need to hear when I was in that situation? Because right now she's like, oh, like, I don't want to sell weight loss stuff. But back then she would have loved to have learned about weight loss. Right. Right. Um, she wouldn't have given a shit about finding fulfillment, finding passion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's funny Meeting enough where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and as we start to progress, we find out that um, 
we're, we're like, because we're a step ahead of our market, we assume that what we, how we want to be marketed to is how they want to be marketed to. Right. So like somebody who wants to lose weight, let's say that like, you know, that was the market. Uh, hey, actually I'm going to teach you fulfillment in your life once you lose the weight. But it's like, these people aren't even thinking that far ahead. They can, they're only thinking, okay, I just want to lose fat so I can stop feeling, um, yeah. you know, self-conscious at the beach or so I can get more girls or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there's my two cents on that. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess it comes back to, and I see this all of the time because I'd say we work with people who they're genuinely really good at what they do. They love what they do. They live, breathe and sleep. And in fact, they're so good at what they do that the book of their, t- their, the title of the book, so to speak, is like overly complex. But if you go on Amazon and you find the world's best expert, who's got 50 years of experience, they, or their marketers, dumb it down to like the most basic promise on a book because that's what will sell. And I think a lot of people feel like they are selling out or, but I have so much more to give and share. And I'm like, keep that for when people pay you. And if someone wants to go deeper and further, like work with them. But if you're trying to sell something that's three or four or five steps ahead of where someone's at, it's going to be, well, a message to market mismatch. That's ultimately what we're talking about here. Yeah. 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 And there's, there's a, there's things I call advertisable benefits and then unadvertisable benefits. So an advertisable benefit is basically something that's very tangible, like tangible, concrete, and you can very easily say yes or no. Uh, you know, I achieve this result or I solve this problem, right? It's not like if you say get more energy, it's like, okay, but you can't tangibly say yes or no versus, Hey, get five more hours a week back at work. That's a very tangible yes or no. I like that. So um, advertisable and unadvertisable is how you label it and get more energy, not advertisable because it's not concrete. They can't, they can't put it into there. There's too much thought that has to go into what that actually means versus, you know, five more hours of sleep per week or something. Yeah. Like, like they, they have to know um, that it's like a yes or no. Did this happen? Like another one could be like, uh, have a, have a, a restful night. So you don't wake up in the middle of the night for the first time in like years. That's yeah. like, a, that's a tangible advertisable benefit. Unadvertisable benefits are usually the softer yeah. ones that people fall into, especially, especially coaches fall into this, yeah. which, which is like, find your life's purpose, you know, yeah. find fulfillment fluffy kind of stuff. It's yeah. And like, I'm so like that too. So like, I get it. Yeah. But it's not what people buy. People buy the surface level shit, but you have to give them the deep yeah. stuff on the back end. Yeah. It's really unfortunate, yeah. but that's, kind of how it goes that's the game i guess you got to know the game so when we're talking about good marketing or great marketing or marketing that works um love it what about from a and i'm sure you have sixteen thousand different strategies but i know i've heard or seen you mention the authentic voice or speaking because i see influencers who sometimes have really bad marketing but their personality and their story and their hero story is so on point that people will just they're sold on the person which I guess is great marketing, but then their products and their landing page was kind of thrown together and people buy it anyways. How important is that element of marketing? It's a great question. Whether that's your story or your, um, you know, or I guess if you deal with the direct response world, maybe that's less important, I guess, but from a brand perspective or from a, you know, we all know those like Jason Capital. I think he's built an amazing brand and an amazing 
um, message around his brand that he could probably get away sometimes with maybe a little bit sloppier marketing, but his audience is so sold on who JC is and what he stands for and what he does freedom and, and, uh, fuck the nine to five type thing, fuck jobs or whatever his thing is. Yeah. Oh dude, that's so true. Uh, as you saying that, so, um, it reminds me, uh, like six, six or eight months ago, I launched a course, uh, two grand, literally I, I, uh, put together a ghetto ass sales page. It was so bad. Um, and I sent it out to my list and three people bought it's two grand. And they said immediately say, Hey, I didn't read any of the copy. I just yeah. clicked buy because I trust you. It's like, wow. So, uh, so like when it comes to, we'll call it like cold traffic versus warm traffic, right? So like when you're advertising, let's say Facebook, YouTube, Google, Taboola, whatever it is, right? Uh, when you're advertising on these platforms and you're talking to an audience who doesn't know who you are, your personality doesn't matter as much because you need to be attention grabbing. You need to capture their attention, keep it, and then get them moving to the next step. Direct the response imp- 101, like yeah. all just the rules of direct response. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the real important part for personality usually comes in um, down the line with the more organic stuff. So your daily email, this is the relationship building. Yeah. Right. Um, I also find that having a bit of voice and like personality, especially in the more competitive or cutthroat niches and markets that are more saturated and uh, sophisticated, it can go a long way. Um, yeah. There's a, I don't know who talked about it. I think it was like Dave, I think it's David, David Ogilvy. Um, but he said like, because like clothing brands, everybody, anybody can do a clothing brand, right? Uh, it's, it's a commodity. People buy clothes, not for the quality, but for the identity that it gives them right. and, the, and the brand that they're buying into. Right. So that's very similar to how people need to think about themselves with their organic marketing. So their emails, their yeah. um, Facebook posts, YouTube videos, what brand, what identity are people buying into by buying from, your, from you? And what does it say about them as a person? You know, how does... How will other people see them differently once they purchase your product? Yeah, love it, love it. So if you're coming into to branch off of that, if you're coming into a business or a company, you must have some sort of, we'll call it a checklist or some sort of like, even if it's mental and you're not aware of it, you must be looking for certain things of like, you probably want to provide really quick value. So, you know, maybe a company will hire you or maybe they'll, they'll, I don't know. I'm sure there's something that happens in there. And if you look at their marketing, you're going through some of those things. Um, like product, are they selling a product that market actually wants a market message, market match? What else are you looking at? So if someone has a business they're marketing, but it's not working or they feel like it's not working, maybe they have data or don't, but it's just simply not working. They're putting in a lot of effort and it's not working. What are some other things that they could quickly check to see like what the hell's going on here? That's so funny because I had this conversation today with a woman who, who came to me to get some help. Uh, there you so go. she was uh, running her, I know, right? Running her ads on Facebook. She's blown 50 grand trying to between media buyers and Facebook ad costs. Yeah. Like, 
trying to sell her front end low ticket products for $7. It's like, she spent like $73 to acquire a $7 product purchase. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I look at, a, I look at a few things, right? Um, the first thing I look at is I'm like, okay, first of all, what the fuck are the numbers? Uh, how much are we spending to acquire a customer? And how much does that customer spend during the first visit? So this is like all your upsells and downsells. Like when you go to McDonald's and it's like, would you like fries with that? Right. If you know, so let's say McDonald's fry is $1 just for simplicity's sake. Um, and you know, 50% of people buy the upsell, right. The, would you like fries with that? You're essentially adding 50 cents to your average order value, which <laughs> means you can spend way more to acquire a customer. Yeah. A lot of people have it backwards in this space where they're looking for ways to spend less to acquire a customer it's like oh what are the you know ninja facebook ad hacks to you know spend less to acquire a customer how do i lower my cost per lead and right. some a lot of the times that is warranted uh but what you got to do is change the economics of the business yeah uh so that's the first thing i look at is the economics who said that uh of like it's not the the it's the whoever can spend the most money to acquire a client wins I know I'm sure it's been quoted a million times, but yeah. I know I remember reading that and I was like, mindset shift, this makes sense. Yeah. And the way that you do that is both on the front end and the back end. The front end is like, okay, well, so somebody comes in, they buy your thing. What else can you offer them to help them get results faster, easier, or um, more results, right? And then they finish their checkout process, right? And so hopefully you'll have increased how much people buy from you but love it, love it doesn't it. stop there you want your lifetime value to be very high like you want uh to do your best to add high ticket programs more support recurring like people will stop buying when you stop offering so if, again it comes down to not obsession with your product but obsession with your market right so if you're, you know, selling to, you know, single moms who want to lose weight, maybe that's your demo. I have no idea if that sells or not, but it's like, okay, so let's, let's, let's rattle off some products that they would want. Okay. You know, uh, a mom's newsletter group of healthy recipes that the kids love monthly newsletter. And then each month, you know, there's a mom of the month gets, you know, for, for submitting the best recipe, you know, that's recurring, that's lifetime value. Or you could have a uh, biannual meetup, like an event where moms go and, you know, celebrate their weight loss and have fun and hang out. You know, like the, the more things you offer, the better. So it's yeah. both in the front and the back end. So economics is first one. Uh, second one is how good the offer is. Like, is this not some of the people need? Is it what they want? Because here's the funny thing we oftentimes try to sell people on what they need. Here's the thing. We all, we all know more or less that we should do what we need to do, but we just don't want to fucking do it. Mm -hmm. Like we all know we should eat healthy. We should, uh, you know, not yell at our spouse. <laughs> we should uh, work on ourselves. We should um, exercise, but few people want to do that. And it's like, I almost feel really shitty saying that, but it's true. It's true. Um, it's very true. So is this an offer that people actually want to buy? 
not just because it's a good discount, but because it solves their problem in a way that's like beneficial. Uh, also, what's the size of the problem it solves, right? There's a difference between helping someone to stop fighting in their marriage versus helping women who feel like they're on the verge of divorce. Better yet, helping business women who feel like they're on the verge of divorce because how much is that gonna cost? Not just their happiness and health and mindset and kids, also half their business, right? Um, economics offer, and then usually the positioning of the offer itself is, is this marketed in a way that people actually want. A lot of times people talk about the product when they should be talking about the problem or the market. So it's not, hey, check out too. my new fandangled thing. It's like, hey, are you sick and tired of whatever? Or like, hey, I'll show you a very, the fastest, easiest way to you know, fill your calendar with qualified leads and applications so you can you know, yeah. spend less time chasing clients and wondering where your next client's gonna come from and spend more time you know, enjoying yourself with your family and doing what you got into this business in the first place to do, which was enjoy your life, right? That's very compelling comparatively to, hey, check out my widget. Yeah, check out our top program. Coming back to your what you said, can do versus um, you know want type idea. Mm. Cool, cool. Um, what what I'm I'm really and I think this is what I like about what you're saying is this is very. If if you just listen to that and you leave this podcast episode not doing anything about it, like literally this won't help you, but I feel like just with what you said for someone to go back and be like, Hey, is my offer, am I marketing this with like, am I just going heavy on the features or am I actually thinking about the people and going on the benefits? Like this is something you could probably spend a day on and at least self-assess and find little areas of improvement. And I know that podcasts and YouTube videos and books are abundant. And just like you said, we know what we need to do, but oftentimes a lot of people don't do it. I would love, I will sleep well tonight knowing that every listener actually did something with this. Cause I'll just be like, we have the perfect crew here of action takers who are willing to do what no one else is willing to do and hiring more consultants and media buyers. I learned from experience trying to outsource what I don't want to do is without, without at least putting effort into set the direction was always a disaster. So I think anyone who's listening, if your stuff's not selling, I think you've got a North star and at least a few things to check out. So I, I truly hope that anyone listening, can at least spend an hour or two on it. That would make me happier. This it's worth me doing this whole podcast if people just take action on some stuff. So thank you for sharing that. And on the back of that, I know we share similar interest in, we'll call it uh, the metaphysical or the spiritual, the untangible, the stuff you can't weigh, but thoughts and ideas and intentions are very real. So it's a thing. You just can't measure it, so to speak, scientifically. And what I love about this conversation is this is something I talk with clients about all of the time. Yet it's not what they signed up for. They signed up for, you know, help me sell more programs or help me create an offer or help me create a coaching program. But I know what they need is this stuff. But I, I have tried, I have stopped trying to sell that stuff a long time ago because it's not what they want. And I know it's what they need. But when the client joins us, we actually have many conversations about the metaphysical realm and, and, and so I, I love this topic and I'd love to touch on it briefly. What does, 
metaphysical or spiritual, whatever term we want to put on it, mean to you? How did, how do you incorporate it into your life? I think people think that marketing and business is like over here and then spiritual life or this stuff is over here and it's not really tangible. And I know a lot of business minded people, very smart business people who are like, I don't even touch that stuff because it's not tangible. I can't get a result. It's not important. But when I look at someone's quality of life, I'm looking for, I want a holistic idea of someone's quality of life. And those are the people I want to listen to. Like those are my mentors. So, so touching on that a little bit, um, what's your definition? What's your experience with it? Let's start there. Man, that's such a tough question. Shit. Were you uh, always into that? Or was there an experience in your life that made you, you know, holy shit, there's more to this than just like this table? Dude, I've always been into that, man. Like I've always been into it. Uh, ever since I was really young, my grandma, she taught me so much uh, about it. So I've, I've always been very spiritual, but it's been especially recently that I've really started to get back into it. Like, um, actually last week, I, uh, I picked up uh, probably one of the most uh, holy ancient Indian scriptures uh, called the Bhagavad Gita. And I won't even try spelling that. I'll get that off you later. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And man, that's it's like it's good it is seriously incredible and it like explains a lot of life's mysteries um but to me spirituality i've never had to explain what it is to me hold on that's a, that's a difficult question yeah all good i as you're as you're uh, chewing on that i really love I've been in parts of spiritual communities as I explored it myself and there was absolutely no action, no real life. It was in a cave practicing spirituality, centeredness, groundness, kind of like people who go to church on Sunday and then they leave church and they're yelling at the kids or yelling at traffic and they've just lost, I mean, the whole meaning of it. And I experienced that. And when I meet individuals like you who are able to take it and yet navigate through the real world, which is business, which is stress, which is financial things, which is relationship issues. And still, I think of it as like Aikido jujitsu and just staying grounded and getting hit, but like being able to roll out of it, get back up and keep playing life yet being grounded in something actually bigger and not making money or business or success bad, but understanding it's just part of the one small part of the whole. And I feel like you, from my experience of you and just from chatting with you, seeing how you operate, you're able to balance both poles, so to speak, both physical reality that we get to enjoy for 80 years or, you know, 30 years, 40 years, who knows what COVID is going to do to the world versus <laughs> the, the, the everlasting kind of spirit. Yeah. I feel you do a wonderful job of that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, okay. I think, I think I have more of an answer for you. You got some. <laughs> I do. So, uh, to me, spirituality is really the marriage of the uh, tangible and the intangible. It's the marriage of the physical and the non-physical. It is when you're so connected to yourself that you're connected to everything around you. I, that sounds so fucking cheesy. It makes sense. Um, it's 
the best way to, to describe it is if you've ever had a moment where you forgot that you were existing almost as in like you were in the moment you were in the flow you weren't thinking you were just doing you were being uh whether you know like for me that was at during dance sometimes i like really get into flow people call it flow getting in the zone um to me that's a big part of spirituality is when you're not cluttered with thoughts but instead you're just like I hate to say centered and grounded because everyone, of course, everyone who's like the, like the more woo woo, like, yeah. uh, sit on your ass and do nothing crowd and everything will come to you. Talks about that, yeah. but it's, it, yeah. it is true. Yeah. Um, and there's this crazy thing when you're on the right path and you're moving in the right direction, the universe, whatever it is, like works to, help you achieve the thing that you want faster and things come out of nowhere things come out of nowhere uh and there's a lot of spiritual practices between you know surrender and uh, meditation meditation is huge i actually started doing that again recently definitely recommend it um i think here's the key word there is surrender i think that that was my 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 biggest thing I had to overcome. I was such a control freak, but learning how to be in control when I need to grab the steering wheel, but learning how to surrender. And I think meditation was the portal of yeah. allowing me the practice of surrender, uh, much more of a feminine trait, but, but playing in that side, playing in that pole. Yeah. And the thing is a lot of people think surrender means giving up. Uh, surrender means doing what you can, but allowing the chips to fall where they may. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Um, and the crazy thing is with spirituality is, and this is like more off the deep end of things. Uh, like I believe that we're all here to learn lessons. Life is a university where this is, this is just a classroom. And so, so here's where people get caught up. This is the funniest shit to me in the world. Uh, it's a little, it's a little masochistic, but it's funny to me. Uh, when people constantly have these things happen to them. And then you ask them, what did you learn from that? And they go, nothing, just, oh, XYZ person's an asshole or this always happens to me. And it's like, you have to keep retaking a test if you fail it in school. Yeah. Who's yeah. to say yeah. that doesn't happen in life too? Yeah. So the faster Agreed. we look at things and learn the lesson, the faster we get to move on from them. And I will tell you, that is really the real reason why I am where I am today. It's not because I got an early start, which I, I did, but you know, a lot of people could have as well. It's yeah, the ability. It away. A lot of people piss it away. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah. A lot of people don't learn the lesson as it comes. Uh, Cause I, I, like, I believe that the universe gives you kind of three warning shots. Like if you need to learn a lesson, you will get a whisper, a tap on the shoulder, and then a cosmic bitch slap. So it's something that you cannot ignore. You have to learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. And some people might go, well, you know, how do you know this? There's this thing around you, you know, like this energy. Uh, 
just pretend if you don't just think about it right isn't let's say it's real or not isn't that such a more empowering approach to life to think that everything's meant to teach you something and then learning from it and then getting better like for the for the skeptics who are listening isn't that a much more powerful way to live your life to think that everything is meant to teach you a lesson and is happening for you not because it's trying to you know the world is out to get you or there's something wrong with you uh but instead to help you grow as a human being but that's why people get stuck in cycles because they aren't able or willing to toy even just the concept or the theory that just maybe there's something to be learned here i think we're on on the very fine what what i love about you is it's this 13 14 15 year old business start in business marketer copywriter extremely intelligent over here and then you know reading spiritual texts and diving into a spiritual practice over here and like you said what if it's real what if it is in and some people don't believe it and then we've got this conspiracy theorists and i love this conversation so you've got oh, you've man. got kind of a bit of everything i'm just like i love people who I don't know. I feel like people sometimes are like, man, you're so like right wing or you're so like, and I'm like, yeah, from a business perspective and an entrepreneurial perspective and taking full ownership, I guess you could call me that. I wouldn't call myself an extremist, but then I'm also in the world of like love and compassion and wanting unity and wanting, um, you know, and, 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 and so I'm like, I feel sometimes like I can't peg myself on any kind of scale. Mm. I have all these tools that I can use. And I think maybe the more your mind opens to possibilities, you start questioning the norms and the things we're told and the truths we're taught. Even in school, I started questioning like everything. And I'm like, what if none of this is actually real? And what if they're lying to us? And so I like to explore it. And some people will call me like, you're extreme, you're a conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, why is that a bad thing? I'm not saying that this is absolutely true, but I like to explore the possibility of what if the government or what if this is lying to you? I think it's a fair question to ask. And I know we share some of the same thoughts on things, um, whether they're true or not, they're fun to explore. So I was, I was, I've been having this conversation with a lot of people and I think it should be had, especially we're in BC here. So they're rolling out vaccine passports on, I think this Monday, like in four or five days. Uh, the, the 13th. So like six days. Six days. And I know I've lost, we're going on date night tomorrow night, me and my girl, because um, there's a few restaurants who have said, we don't care about your vaccine status or whatever. Uh, So we'll be going hopefully for date nights there. We'll see what happens. But this has, the, the whole situation around this has left me feeling very uneasy about the future, enough to move out of Canada. And I wanna bring up that topic and just hear your thoughts on it. as a local BCer, Canadian. Yo, first of all, did, didn't I make the prediction like four or five, like three or four months ago when we first hung out? Like, yeah, Canada's going that way. Yeah, you did. You did follow Australia's footprint. Yeah. Um, everybody's a conspiracy theorist until they're right. Just been happy this whole time. I, I hate that word, by the way. You know, that word was made by the government to discredit people who have like alternative concepts or ways of thinking. I could see that. Like heretics, like burning the witch at the stake type of thing. I could see that. I was reading about uh-huh. William Wallace's death, dude. Have you ever read 
Like, you know, uh, Braveheart, William Wallace? Heard of Remember it. that movie? I think Mel Gibson plays Braveheart. I haven't watched it. Anyway, he gets like, he's he's fighting against the 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 king who was like unrightfully ruling the people this is a true story anyway he was he was doing a good thing and much like you know a jesus christ type figure of that day and at the end they asked him to just pledge allegiance to the king and he said no and so they tortured him and like opened up his guts and took out his intestines and he saw the whole thing happen the actual death is like a hundred times worse than the movie depicts and the entire you know, all the citizens are throwing tomatoes at him and rocks and torturing him. And then five years later, it's like, he's a hero because he stood for something. He was just a bit of an early conspiracy theorist around what was actually going on. And he died for it, ultimately paid the, the price of very torturous death. And I was reading that being like, how far am I willing to go to stand up for what I think is right? And I don't know if I'd like die with my intestines. I don't even know if people would do that to you these days. But I'd go far, dude, to stand up for what I think is right. I go, I'd go really far. Hmm. And I think a lot of people, I think, I think a lot of people, the more people I meet, the more people are like starting to kind of stand up to what they feel is right. Not being afraid of it. Absolutely, man. Um, there's uh, almost this level of people who are starting to realize that not everything is for their health and not everything is what they say it is. And they're starting to learn to question how things have been going. And so unfortunately, this is what I think is the way that that has to happen that we have to have a scenario like this where it's like a global issue where you can't escape it and people are forced to be pissed off and people are forced to be annoyed enough so that they have to question things and their own morality as well. Um, and there's a certain segment of people who just are going to stick to thinking what they've always thought. And I mean, that's okay, but at least for me, I love to explore different perspectives. And that's, that's, that's not a is, isn't it? healthy way of living to even just try to understand from another person's perspective. Uh, a lot of people I've talked to, um, they want to hear my standpoint on the whole vaccine passport thing. And, or any, anything that, you know, they might disagree with, for example. Um, but they do it from a, oh, let me hear your debate points so I can find the loophole in your argument and prove you wrong. Right. Instead of, hey, let me actually take the time to understand where you're coming from for this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's my standpoint on it, really. I mean, I think it's... I think, I think um, learning compassion, which is like a new thing for me, probably the last year and a half, it's been a big practice because of circumstances to dive into this new way of being around compassion and having compassion for others. And maybe that comes with like being quick and I would get so irritated with people who couldn't figure something out. And maybe I would never consider myself highly intelligent, but I can pretty much figure out any problem very quickly and move through it without asking many questions. And so compassion as we were building a team has been a huge theme for me. And then as this has come up, 
I genuinely love to see someone else's perspective, even if I don't agree with it, mm-hmm. and sit with it and be like, oh, I actually totally understand how that makes sense. And that's been fun, but I generally it's not received in the opposite of like, yeah. well, you're just wrong. Like that's extreme. But I can see both points of view and it's so fascinating to watch this thing unfold. And I do feel like more and more people are just like, there is something wrong here. Something wrong here, yeah. There's something wrong here. Yeah, there's something wrong here. And I don't think any of this is going to go away until we are, I don't want to say until we're able to, you know, love your neighbor like you love thyself or be compassionate. No, fuck that. <laughs> like, this isn't going to work until people are able to say, hey, I disagree with you with every fiber of my being, but I can 100% understand exactly why you think the way that you do. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice way of putting it. I mean, this has been predicted for quite a while that the human consciousness has been waiting to bust through to the next level. Like it's just been waiting. And I think this whole, uh, you know, the, the coronavirus thing has accelerated that. At least from my perspective, I've seen a lot of people just stepping up to like a new level, including myself, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because when, when things start to go south, you can either, you know, stand up or stand up. Or you can, you know, hide. Yeah. Like fit in with the crowd and, you know, go with what everybody else is saying. But nothing ever great was really built that way. This is true. Probably a little biased because pretty much everyone I know is entrepreneurial in some way, shape, or form. True. And maybe entrepreneurs do, they, not maybe, they definitely do think differently. Like they don't need the government as much. They don't need the assistance. They, they yeah. want to find solutions to problems. They, they disrupt, they stand out and they find it more natural to do so. So I don't have many, um, um, non-entrepreneurial people in my circle. Yeah. So I'm probably a little bit biased as well from yeah, my environment. Here. Yeah. And, and that, that's so interesting, right? Because, um, I've, I've always thought about how people who hold certain beliefs usually fall into a certain demographic or category, right? Like if you're going to categorize a right wing person, right? right um, or somebody who is really far that way, you mentally, you, you categorize them as usually, usually, usually Caucasian, uh, or at least that's, that's the stereotype we'll say, um, somewhere in the is it the West, like Florida and stuff? Like Florida and Texas, I really don't know the U.S. demographic. Uh, what's it called? Anyway, uh, U.S. geography. Geography, not, demo- yeah. not demographic, yeah. geography. Uh, right? And it's, it's, I think it's so fascinating to look at that and go, huh, I wonder why, like, that is the type of person who believes that subsect of, of you know, beliefs. Like, what like what about those factors make somebody think this way do you know what i mean like so and then for people who are like more questioning and discerning of you know society government news whatever else why is it entrepreneurs that do that you know what like why almost all the entrepreneurs i i know like 
say 90% of them say, don't watch the fucking news. Totally. I, I have not never turned it on in the last eight years. But it's so interesting that people with jobs do. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm really curious about that. You know, I've, I've, I'm trying to understand that. I'm just like, where is the dichotomy there? Like, what is the difference? Why would somebody... But it's probably because we are not reliant. I mean, we, I, don't, I don't have a retirement fund. I'm not reti- I, I actually wish the government would have less of their fingers in my business. I enjoy countries with less laws and with less rules. And I'll take the risk because my risk tolerance is cranked up right high. Physical risk tolerance for the sports I choose. Mental, emotional, the way I'm able to put myself out there and accept the consequences. And I think when I used to work, which I did, um, I was reliant on a paycheck, on the government, on assistance, on checking my retirement funds. Um, and I think that's probably the fundamental difference is, is some people, not that it's better or worse, but someone chooses to break free, do their own thing and put their own fate in their own hands and mm-hmm. live with the consequences of their decisions. That's true. The risk yeah. tolerance is very high for entrepreneurs that have stuck with <laughs> the game true. for more than a few years. That's true. Um, there's also something I've, I've been toying with the idea of lately. I think you'll appreciate this. Um, I bet you that, you know, in vaccine passport, hell over here, uh, I bet you very soon there's going to be certain businesses whose entire model is around serving unvaccinated people for a premium. Like they'll find some kind of government loophole. Like, like, let's say this, let's say this doesn't go away for a long time. Like certain businesses will probably enter the market because capitalism, you know, when there's a need, fill it, right? Yep. Yep. Like buy unvaccinated for unvaccinated, right? Like, um, yep. I'm really curious to see if that actually happens where it's like, hey, you know, like official restaurant for unvaccinated, like, right. I, I can absolutely see it. There's going to be a big need for it. I've already been that every place I do business with, I've been like, hey, Am I going to be able to come here? And these business owners are put in a really interesting position because half of them don't actually give a shit. They're like, dude, I don't care, but I'm not willing to accept the fines that would come with not. So they're going to say no to 25 or 30% of their clients, customers, because they have to, but they don't want to. And I think it shows how much power if all the entrepreneurs did get together and said, this is actually what we're doing. Russia had that. I don't know if you read about that, but all the business are the population, Russians are a little less brainwashed. They were like, we're not, we're not supporting businesses. So they basically just had an economic meltdown and all the businesses in the country went back to the government saying, we're not doing vax passes. We're letting anyone in because no one's buying our stuff. And so the government threw out all vaccine passports like a few weeks ago and the country, everything opened up. Um, Dude, I think there was like 30% who were for it, 70% against it. Whereas I think here there's a large population that's for it instead of against it yeah i don't, I don't we're a minority know. dude apparently but um as, it's funny because as, as you're saying that um it's crazy how like russia or um wanted to revoke it after that happened but i feel like here they would press it even harder i mean you know justin trudeau is a big fan of the great economic reset right that's what he wants it's a win-win it's like, okay, either they take the passport and then it leads to wherever it leads to um, down the road because, you know, because, you know, they're going to stop moving the goalpost eventually, right? <laughs> right. right. 
Right. Well, they're putting <laughs> a lot of money into this thing too, like three trillion dollars, and this ain't a few month thing. No, I know. Three trillion um, bucks sounds like a lot of money. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Sounds like a lot. It's a it's a For million Canada. million, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Times three. So. Yeah. Shit, man. Um, and then so like either either you take it, and then okay, great. Like you get whatever you wanted with your digital IDs and whatever else in the future, or you get the other end of the spectrum, which is, Hey, the, the businesses have to shut down and they have to be reliant on the government to have to be reliant um, on universal basic income. And now they're fucked. Mm-hmm. No independence. That's... Dude, I'm heavy on crypto, bro. I can go anywhere in the world and buy something for one Ethereum. Point zero one Ethereum. Right I now. haven't, I haven't gotten into crypto, man, but like, I don't know, something about it just, I mean, it just doesn't hit for me. I don't even know how to fuck use it. I'm such a grandpa when it comes to crypto. Um, and isn't, isn't government trying to get into crypto these days? Are they trying to like do they some are. shit like banks? They are. They are. I mean, El Salvador just adopted Bitcoin as a national currency, which is why the market is all disrupted. So if you are in El Salvador, you can go to any any business and pay for things in Bitcoin, which is pretty freaking cool i think more latin american south american company or uh countries are doing it as well kind of cool interesting to watch it play out really Man, interesting the world's a stage you know it's pretty fun though man it's exciting times um i i have to balance my anger and my um my disappointment with my enthusiasm and i feel like i literally asked the universe for a grand adventure two years ago i'm like i'm kind of bored like my business is good I need an adventure. We moved and I'm like, this is what I asked for is a grand adventure into each month is the unknown right now. Dude, that's so funny. Cause like, I, I also said to the universe, I was like, I'm ready to take on, you know, the next level of my life. Like I'm ready for the responsibilities of that. This but, is it. <laughs> I this guess so. It. Um, this is it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not planning on staying in BC because. But it, it, just watching you, I love, I love, I study people and I love watching you um, think and formulate thoughts and ideas. And it's no wonder to me why you're such a great marketer, copywriter, and every entrepreneur I know who questions things is generally a great entrepreneur because they see they see problem. And while most people are just like looking at one side of it, they're like, you know what? What if this was possible? What if this was possible? What if this was possible? Holy shit, there's like 15 possibilities that no one ever thought of. Breakthrough, innovation, move forward. So I, I respect that about you. And it's no wonder to me why you would question things, which is why I love those conversations with people with the same um, same thought processes, so to speak. Thanks, man. I, I totally agree. It's, it's refreshing to talk to people who are willing to have a, I don't want to call it a civil debate because it's not a debate, but have a conversation and not get heated one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's rare these days. It's pretty rare. It's pretty <laughs> people are pretty polarized, which is nothing wrong with that. But they ain't willing to just talk about it. There's, there's probably twenty things that I disagree with you on, and I would love to see your point of view. Like that, that would be dope. It's pretty cool. I'm really curious what those would be. We'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> to to loop this right back. So I we touched on a whole bunch of stuff. I, I like to always leave something tangible and i think you're such an interesting testament or or it's the wrong word but an interesting um example of this 
because sometimes I'll have, you know, someone who's been, someone who's like 50 or 60 years old. And I was like, what is the one biggest lesson or thing that we can take away from 50 years of experience? And sometimes it's like pretty, it's kind of lame. It's like just, you know, just, just work really hard or something. And I'm like, huh, that's good. cool. Thank you. And then sometimes I'll have someone who's like, we had someone who was, I think 22, so much life experience just from all of the things they've been through. And it was just like so, so much wisdom. And I feel like you have a lot of wisdom in your brain. So if I was to ask you with all your experiences and all the, all the dimensions that you play in and think about if you could pass one thing on to, I believe your 11 year old self with Brittany, no, uh, Megan, Megan, Megan yeah. if you could like, if you're here now, but you're like, yo, Ed, um, you're 11, bro. I've, I've been doing this for like 10, 15 years or whatever. I've got, I've got a piece of advice for you. What would you have needed to hear? Or what would you share? Focus on making yourself happy. Don't worry about making other people happy. Don't worry about what your parents are going to think. Don't worry about society's going to think, what your friends are going to think. You need to not just do what you're going to do and what you want to do, but also fall in love with yourself and love the person that you are as well as the person that you're becoming. Because there's so many people out there who will take advantage of somebody who's a people pleaser. Um, and being a people pleaser fucking sucks, dude. Like, especially when you want to give and you don't know about boundaries, mm -hmm. uh, it's brutal. So give generously, but cut off quickly. Have boundaries. Uh, give until you think someone's actually starting to take. And don't be so hard on yourself. Learn to do things that you love to do for the, for the sake of doing them, not for achieving a certain outcome. And remember to love who you are and that you are more than what you do. Thanks, dude. So it's it's got to be the Canadian in us because I can relate to everything you said about people pleasing, giving too much and getting hurt over and over and being like, why are people doing this? And then I, the cold hard truth of the reality of business and of people is we're all selfish. And if shark can sniff out, they can take, 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 they will. So it's like being a spiritual ninja. It almost sounds like spiritual doesn't mean being walked all over. You can punch back sometimes. And it sounds yeah. like you've gone through a journey to bring you here. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people say, uh, you know, I'll let karma get them. Sometimes karma's got to use your fist. Right. right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's, it's got to be the Canadian, man. We're, we're pretty nice, but, but we, we learn how to cope with that. If people want to find you, Ed, where is the best place to find you? I'm going to leave some links below for people to click on. But if they're just listening and they want to jump on their phones and Google type something into Instagram or Facebook, where can they find you? Yeah. So you guys can find me at Ed Ray uh, on Facebook. E D space R E A Y. Uh, that's where I hang out the most these days. Um, I'm thinking about bringing back my email list, which you can go to edray.com. And whether or not that's up, I have no clue. Uh, I think it's down right now. 
but maybe by the time you're listening, go and check, it'll be up. So definitely do that if you're curious about, you know, what I've got to say and uh, how it can help you. And I'm also on Instagram at ed.reay. So yeah. Sweet. I'll leave the links below. And maybe one ask I'll have of anyone listening, if you got some value, these episodes are of course free. They always will be free. I literally love doing this. I asked to take some action on it. But beyond that, if something did land for you and you want to jump on your Instagram right now and throw me up on there and throw Ed up on there and just let us know your one big takeaway, I'd highly appreciate that. I love it. It gives me this intrinsic motivation to know that it's making an impact. And as long as it's making that and we're getting little snippets of it. So if anything, and leave Ed a message as well. We'll leave the links for his Instagram and Facebook below. And with that said, thank you for um, talking about 16 different things that probably should have been a 24 hour conversation, but we somehow brought it into 71 minutes. Hey man, it's more than my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks Ed. All right. So as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.